This is Ian Perry. Welcome to Keeping Green, the environmental talk show where we discuss issues in southern Alberta and the surrounding region. We broadcast from CJSW Radio 90.9 FM on Treaty 7 land and in Métis Region 3. Remember, you can catch the show online at cjsw.com. On today's episode, we'll provide some updates on the Alberta government's recent decision to rescind a 44-year-old coal policy and how the province is reacting. Stick around. So as of February 8th, 2021, the Minister of Energy in Alberta has said unexpectedly that the government will reinstate the 1976 coal policy in full. Now, we don't have much detail of this news coming in from the energy minister. We can't say whether mountaintop removal has been banned from the province outright or whether it will just be limited to what were formerly Category 3 and Category 4 lands. What does the future of coal mining look like in the foothills and Rocky Mountains? That is still yet to be determined. But I'd like to take this opportunity to review what has happened in the days and weeks leading up to this latest news. At the end of January, the Minister of Energy announced that there would be a pause on new leases in what were formerly Category 2 lands, and that 11 new leases from late 2020 had been cancelled. But that was only 1,800 hectares, or 0.2% of the 420,000 hectares that had been stripped of protections and leased to coal interests since June of 2020. Kenny, as of last week, wasn't backing down, and in the Calgary Herald, he is quoted as saying that the old Lougheed policy from 1976 was obsolete, and that new regulations were much stricter, and that we should all trust the new regulations. Another of Kenny's statements in the face of scrutiny was that urbanites should show some respect for coal miners, a comment which suggests that a few Albertans should set the agenda for the rest of us, even if it means compromising water quality for millions of people. I want to take you now into the interviews that I have lined up for this month's episode. But keep in mind that the interviews took place before this most recent news on reinstating the coal policy. But this interview material is still very current as we talk with Latasha Kafrobe of the Blackfoot Confederacy and the Nitsitape Water Protectors to get the Indigenous perspective on how the government has handled this coal issue up to now. We also speak with Becky Best Burtwistle of the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society on her organization's involvement to date with judicial review regarding the lack of consultation. We also get her take on the public outcry in the months since June of 2020. And finally, I talk to Marlon Schmidt, MLA for Edmonton Gold Bar. We get his perspective on how the government has handled the coal policy up to last week. My children were raised, you know, they suddenly rise. They started so long ago, head to toe, helping wealthy and wise. 
Latasha Kafrobe. Uh, can you describe a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, thanks. Um, so my name is Latasha Kafrobe. I'm from. I'm a member of the Blood Tribe, which is one of the tribes a part of the Blackfoot Confederacy, or Six Gate to be. Um, I grew up on the Blood Reserve um, and kind of did some of my schooling off reserve in the city of Calgary here. And a little bit, I mean, if you're looking into my background there, I had the honor and privilege of growing up um, in a traditional household that, you know, valued our traditional ways of life. Um, I got to hear the stories of the land and where my people came from and and really got to experience what it what it means to be Nitsitsi and our roles and responsibilities in protecting both the land and water. Yeah, absolutely. So I am taking a look at your your organization's uh, Facebook page, Nitsitape Water Protectors. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about those individuals and uh, your opposition to some of the new coal mining activities, including Grassy Mountain? Yeah, so Nitsitape Water Protectors is a really small kind of grassroots collective of um, of people from within the Blackfoot Confederacy. So we have some volunteers from the Six Gun Nation, the Begunny First Nation, and the Blood Tribe, where I'm from. Um, and part of what we've, we've self-organized to take opposition to the coal development projects, um, including the Grassy Mountain Coal Project, and as well um, the rescinding of the 1976 coal policy. So we work really on the front of getting information out to First Nations people, um, because like many Albertans, this is the first time that they're hearing about these projects. Um, there's not enough information out there about how this will impact treaty rights, how this will impact culture, language, um, spirituality. And so we come in by, you know, getting that information out, help moving people to action, um, and just really kind of supporting on that grassroots level in our communities. Well, I then got into the public's response to the rescission of the coal policy since it was first announced back in the spring of 2020. Here's Becky Best, Burt Whistle again. I think, as you noted, they, they decided to rescind the coal policy in June of last year, or May, May of last year, and then they actually did it in June. It came into effect in June. Um, and we're just seeing the big push of interest, public interest in this topic now. It's not unexpected. We've had a lot of other things on our mind. <laughs> a lot of other things going on. Um, you know, COVID has maybe like attracted a bit of attention for people. And uh, same with like Defend Alberta Parks. That was something else that was taking up a lot of bandwidth in people's minds. But I do want to note that it, it has just come to light in the broader public now. But people like Latasha, people like the ranching families, the grassroots groups we work with, Pause. We've all been working on this for a very long, long time. And here's Latasha Kafrobe again. Um, I mean, I see the post the other day, and it says like First Nations are just now joining the fight. And I would argue that First Nations have been fighting lots of these um, similar challenges for generations. Um, it's actually written into our treaties there, um, and Treaty Number Seven that actually gives everybody in Alberta. Um, the opportunity to live and prosper off of this land um, that we reside in. And so Treaty Number 7 there, I think, when we entered into that um, as First Nations with the incoming settlers, we entered that 
into that with good intentions that we would share the land and resources um, and we would all act as stewards of the land. Um, you know, First Nations, we've kept up our side of the bargain on that deal. And unfortunately, with the development of these coal projects, it is a violation of treaty. Um, there's been a couple of things where it's like, uh, we would we agreed in those treaties to share the land up to the depth of a European plow, which is anywhere between six inches and um, 12 inches below the surface there. Coal lies way underneath that. Um, so we are really just asking people to honor those treaties that were signed in 1877, because by protecting treaty and honoring those treaties, we are protecting the land, we are protecting the water, we are protecting our mountains. And so we're not just joining the fight. We, you know, have been in this for a long time. And, you know, we welcome the allyship of everybody. We welcome the work that CPAS does and the ranchers do, um, because that is our responsibility. We are all treaty people. Um, and that would kind of be for public listening out there, be like, this is so much more than just coal. Um, it's, it's really, we, we all have a responsibility to steward this land. Um, and take care of everything that's on it. Yeah. I'd, re I'd really like to uh, echo what Latasha just said. Mm. I think that this, this a public outcry that we've seen in the last couple of weeks to provide an opportunity to Albertans to really critically engage with who we're listening to and why I'm absolutely core blunt has been an amazing um, advocate on this and very well informed, but I think it says a lot about us that it took, a white cowboy or multiple white cowboys coming forward before people started caring about the issue more generally. And there's been, you know, First Nations women trying to sound the alarm for a long time and that falling on deaf ears. A few weeks ago, two ranchers came forward with a case against the provincial government for the rescission of the coal policy without consultation. And CPAWS has decided to back the ranchers. Here's Becky Best Burtwistle describing that. The original applicants on that case are two ranching families in the area who feel that they were not properly consulted about the removal of the coal policy. Uh, the presence of coal exploration and mining will have a really massive impact on their livelihood. And so they've applied for this decision to undergo a judicial review. They're basically asking the court to force the government to reverse the decision on the basis that there wasn't adequate public consultation. So a number of First Nations and conservation organizations and recreation groups have applied to intervene in this case um, and support the case of the ranchers. Two coal companies have applied to intervene and support the government. Seapod uh, Southern Alberta, we formed a coalition with the Alberta Hiking Association and the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers to jointly intervene and support uh, the case that it should be reversed because there was no public consultation. The government moved to strike this case or to get it thrown out. Um, and this is what the hearing last week was about. The judge was hearing from both sides and all possible interveners about whether the case should move forward or not. And he indicated that he will make a decision sometime in the next two months. So basically, we're all just waiting around to see if the case is going to move forward and if we're going to be allowed to intervene in it. They did choose to consult some people. They chose to consult the president of the Coal Association of Canada and multiple coal companies. And here's Latasha Kafrobe again. There are a number of First Nations who have um, submitted their own applications for a judicial review related to the policy, um, one being the Blood Tribe and Sixka Nation put in a joint one 
um, from the Treaty 7 area and then a couple bands from Treaty 6. Um, you know, the impacts of these, the impacts um, that will be felt due to the rescission of that coal policy span across Alberta. Um, and I always think it was so interesting in some of the opening statements by the UCP government lawyers and the court case there saying that, well, this is an unpopular decision, it's not unlawful. Um, the duty to consult is actually um, held by the Constitution at um, Section 35, to be exact, that the duty to consult um, with First Nations is a legal obligation um, whenever governments are considering courses of actions or changes to laws and policies that will have adverse impacts on First Nations rights, titles, treaty rights, um, all of that stuff. I find uh, the the minister's letter that I think came out on the 18th of January where he, I feel like he's just telling blatant lies when he says that there have been no protections removed. I mean, he, he refers to the the Water Act as being new and improved and, and of tighter regulation than what was in place in 1976. But you can't get around the fact that you removed a blanket policy that was meant to exclude thousands of hectares from open pit coal mining. So I want both of your opinions here. This this letter dated January 18th, 2021 from the, the Minister of Environment and Parks, how destructive and deceitful do you find this letter to be? I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It doesn't matter how many other regulations are present in the AER permitting process. The fact is, is that the coal policy offered that large landscape level planning about where massive destructive mountaintop removal coal mining is appropriate. And there is no, there's not, been nothing introduced that replicates that in any way or offers any guidance to planners or um, employees in the Alberta energy regulator. So I do think I, you know, I don't know if it was destructive in the people. I think again, it was trying to placate concerns. And I think that, um, the government has been overwhelmed in the last couple of weeks with uh, response to this decision, and they're just uh, looking to make everybody feel better. But I really urge people to look a little deeper and do their own research. And one final thought from Latasha Kafrobe from the Blackfoot Confederacy. Um, you know, this is a long-standing thing in First Nations of going up against the government and fighting for rights and fighting for clean water. Um, it takes the unity of all of us. This is you know, the mountains are something that are woven into the identity of, of anybody who lives here in Alberta. And I think that the message I would give to people is igakimut, um, which in Blackfoot means to to try hard and to, to persevere. So, you know, keep fighting that good fight. Every voice matters. Um, and, and honor the treaties. We'll end with that. <laughs> Absolutely. That was my discussion with Latasha Kafrobe of the Blackfoot Confederacy and the Nitsitape Water Protectors and Becky Best Burtwistle of the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society. And now for a little change in perspective, I talk with Marlon Schmidt, who is the MLA for the Edmonton Gold Bar riding. So you've been speaking to the public, and can you give us your take on the public opposition to revitalizing coal in the foothills and Rocky Mountains at this point? Yeah, so um, the the opposition to this decision has been uh, pretty steady since the government quietly announced that they were rescinding the 
coal policy in May of 2020. Uh, and I think in that was in part because the public was already highly attuned to what was going on um, with, uh, with the landscape and environmental decisions because of the government's earlier announcement that year to um, close off or close down and sell off 164 different uh, provincial parks. Mm-hmm. It, it really hit a uh, fever pitch, if you will, earlier this month when uh, some pretty big names in country music started speaking out against the coal policy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we saw Corp Lund and, of course, Paul Brandt and uh, Terry Clark uh, lend their names to the movement to stop coal mining uh, in the eastern slopes. And so I think it's gathered a lot of attention because because they've weighed in on on the issue, and I'm I'm grateful that they're using their uh, their high profile to bring attention to this issue to a, a lot more people. Yeah. Um, would you say that you know, considering the the decision on Keystone XL, and considering the the huge degree of uh, opacity, I suppose, with this decision and the lack of public involvement that perhaps we're setting up for an environmental reckoning in the province of Alberta, perhaps for, you know, the first time ever on a grand scale, perhaps where you have people who are previously uh, unable to to sort of strike an environmental stance are now going to do so. Um, is is something going to change in Alberta society with respect to environmentalism, in your opinion? I think what's different this time, Ian, it's, it's not necessarily that uh, that Albertans have suddenly woken to the importance of the environment. I think that I think Albertans have always treasured our natural heritage mm-hmm. uh, and 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 been strong defenders of of the environment, but. I often say that um, you know uh, that that Albertans see themselves as as like Teddy Roosevelt kind of conservationists. You know, uh, of course, Teddy Roosevelt setting up the national park system in in the United States when he was president. I, I think Albertans would instinctively sort of push back on being called uh, an, an environmentalist for for whatever reason. So you know, pe- people are adamant about defending the landscape. They're 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 pushing back against these very damaging decisions. What's different, though, Ian, is is that I think Albertans have finally realized that that they can use their political power to uh, force the government to back down on those decisions. Mm-hmm. And we had decades and decades of one party rule in this province. Mm. And I think that when when people felt that the government wasn't responding, that they resigned that they were resigned to hopelessness, uh, that there wasn't really much else you could do because there was no alternative uh, to the current government in power. And and that's what's really changed, right? Uh, I, I think people understand that, that there is an alternative now, right? That it doesn't have to be this way, that, that the people can use their voices to uh, get the current government to, to back down, and if they don't like that, then they can throw that government out and, and elect a new one, which is something that hasn't been true for a really long time in our province. Mm-hmm. Do you think then that um, 
that this is going to severely hurt the Kenny government in the next election? And if so, do you think that they're going to continue to backpedal out of this situation the way they kind of backpedaled out of the 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 parks uh, decision? Well, uh, I think it. I think it has done some uh, very severe damage to to the Kenny government's reputation with with Albertans, and that's. And you know we we see them trying to back down just a little bit by rescinding uh, the coal leases that were auctioned off mm. in in December of last year. Yeah. Uh, but you know Albertans weren't fooled for a second, and they realized that this was them just trying to uh, give them something so that they would calm down and and uh, and hopefully they'd be able to get past this issue this issue, and that's that's not happening. You know when. The, the mayor of High River stands up and mm-hmm. says that the minister of environment should resign over this decision. And then the town of Manton joins them in that call. Um, these these are uh, voices, these are strong voices of opposition to this decision from, from corners where you wouldn't necessarily yeah. expect it. I'm aware of, of a new movement that sort of borrows from deontological ethics, which ultimately says that you know, there are certain things in, in this world that are just wrong. There are certain human behaviors that are just wrong. Regardless of outcome, we just don't do it. And this has yet to take a really strong hold in environmentalism. People still find ways around uh, environmental protections, and they still do irreversible damage to our environment. Will the NDP side with the idea that there is just no excuse? And that at some point, environmental destruction is just plain and simply wrong. I, I'm I'm not of the view that it's humanity's role to be uh, curators of 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 the nature museum that we were gifted as the world came into being. You know, I I think that that it is right for us to to responsibly use the resources that we have to make our lives better. Mm-hmm. But we also have to be mindful about. The impacts that those decisions have on uh, on the environment and and on um, you know the systems that sustain us and so that's the view that I would take is is a view that supports sustainable development. Mm-hmm. With the case of open pit coal mining, I think Albertans are saying that uh, strip mining our mountains is wrong. It's wrong, and yeah. that and, and that we we shouldn't do it, no matter what. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm I'm getting at with with the question. Um, I just want to ask, ask you now a much more straightforward question. If the NDP get into power in a couple of years, will they put back into place uh, a similar policy or or reenact the or reinstate the the coal policy of 1976? Yes. So we've we've been quite clear that we believe that restoring the coal the Lahi coal policy is a, is an important first step. And I think it it needs to be coupled with the commitment to um, uh, working collaboratively with uh, all of the people of Alberta to make future land use decisions. Because, uh, you know, coal mining aside, there are are always going to be decisions that need to be made about what happens in in these sensitive areas. Um, And and we think that, that that work should be done in partnership with with the people of Alberta so that we can can jointly come up with a vision for those 
mm-hmm. those areas. Yeah, and I would I would imagine that you're probably quite committed to indigenous perspectives and values which are continuously underrepresented in our society. Uh, can you speak a little bit, perhaps, about bringing more Indigenous perspectives into these kind of land use planning initiatives? Our track record with respect to developing the, the parks in the castle area mm. is, is instructive. This was the first time that we had a, a negotiated co-management agreements with uh, First Nations in that area. Uh, and I think that's a, a model for parks management that that we would probably pursue further. But, you know, we also recognize that with all of these land use decisions uh, and so many decisions of the government that, that we have a duty to meaningfully consult with First Nations. Uh, the message that I would leave with, with you and uh, and your listeners is this, is that the, the, the political pressure is working. So... Uh, you know, if you're concerned about uh, the potential for coal mines in in the eastern slopes, uh, write to the Premier's office, write to the Minister of Energy and the Minister of Environment, write to your local MLA, let them know that you're upset about it, and then find, you know, if you're not yet working with other people who are working on this issue, uh, find those people locally and start working together because it's those, um, it's those organized uh structures that that really give this movement strength. That was my conversation with Marlon Schmidt, who is the MLA for Edmonton Gold Bar. Before that, we spoke with Latasha Kafrobe of the Blackfoot Confederacy and the Nitsitape Water Protectors, and with Becky Best Burtwistle of the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society. Now, as I said at the start of today's show, these interviews all took place before February 8th, when the government unexpectedly turned around and vowed to reinstate the 1976 coal policy. But this good news does not change the way the government has behaved up to last week. Remember, they operated with a tremendous lack of transparency, virtually no public consultation What's to say they won't continue this shady form of operation in other aspects of resource development? And remember, the news from February 8th does not mean that mountaintop removal is suddenly going away. It could very well take hold in areas that lie outside of former Category 2 lands, yet still upstream of millions of people. If we want an outright ban on open-pit coal mining in the foothills and Rocky Mountains of Alberta, then we need to continue to fight for it. Keep your eye on the Elk Valley in British Columbia, where mountaintop removal has permanently transformed the landscape and where water contamination from mining operations continues. I encourage listeners to go online and find all kinds of sources Become more informed on the issue of coal revitalization in the province. Make up your own mind. I appreciate all the people speaking up about this issue, including local celebrities. But to echo what Becky said in the interview, why does it take a white cowboy speaking up before people get involved? I encourage you to visit the Nitsitape Water Protectors on Facebook at N-I-I-T-S-I-T-A-P-I. Water Protectors. Keeping Green is written and produced by me, Ian Perry, and by Emily Saavedra Matus. 
You can follow us on Twitter at Keeping underscore Podcast and find some of our monologues at keepinggreenpodcast.wordpress.com. You can find past episodes of the show at cjsw.com. Just search Keeping Green. Thank you to everybody who participated in the show this month. And until next time, remember, keep it green. Keep it green.